Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Currington as he shares this week's message. It's very good to be back. Hi, everyone. If you will take your Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs, we're going to be looking there this morning. We're going to be kind of uh, looking at a a theme throughout the book of Proverbs, but one verse I want to hone in on at the beginning here is Proverbs 14.12. So turn there with me. Proverbs 14.12. Proverbs 14.12. Here's what it says, a short verse. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Uh, Let's pray. Almighty and gracious Father, since our whole salvation stands in our knowledge of your holy word, strengthen us now by your Holy Spirit that our hearts may be set free from all of our worldly thoughts and attachments of our flesh, so that we may hear and receive your word, recognizing your gracious will for us, and that we may love and serve you with earnest delight, praising and glorifying you in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. This morning we're going to be looking at the theme in the book of Proverbs of rebuke and correction, and what the book of Proverbs has to say about this. And I chose to, to preach on this this morning, um, first of all, because it's not a subject that's addressed much in the church these days, but also because I needed to hear it, um, and I want you to hear it. God's word is always profitable for us, and so I pray this morning that it will be profitable to you. So keep this concept in your mind. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, I don't watch a lot of TV, but one of my favorite shows, it's not on the air anymore, Brandon will know what I'm talking about, is Kitchen Nightmares, okay? Gordon Ramsay, many beeps and bloops throughout the show, if you've watched it before. Uh, I I love it because even though almost every episode is exactly the same, So here's what happens. Every episode is the same. There's some failing restaurant in some city in America. They're about to close down. They used to be successful. They used to be so busy, but they're not anymore. And for one reason or another, there's no more customers. So they call on world-famous chef and restaurateur Gordon Ramsay to come in and help him. They're so excited. They can't wait till he gets there. He's going to fix all our problems. And then Gordon Ramsay comes. And then reality hits. Right? So he tastes their food and tells them how horrible it is with many expletives along the way. He critiques the decor. He critiques the service. He tells them bluntly and boldly all the reasons that the restaurant is failing. He kind of shines a light on all the things they've been doing. And the reason he does this is not because he's mean or because he hates them, but because he wants to help their restaurant do better. That's why he's there. 
They need to hear the truth if they want to improve their restaurant. Now, how do you think they respond? You, you would think they would respond, thank you, we'll, we'll change those things. But that's not what happens, ever. Without fail, they get defensive, they get angry. What does he know? Who does he think he is? I don't care what this world-famous chef says, our food is the best in the city, even though there's no one at the restaurant. And then eventually they start crying, they break down, and they're ready to listen. He changes things, they change the menu. He cleans up the kitchen, he changes the decor. They open for a service again, and without fail, starts to get busy in the restaurant. They start to go back to old habits, but he rallies them. They succeed, and the episode ends with a note of hopefulness for this little struggling restaurant. But that's not the end of the story, because these episodes all aired long ago. It's not on the air anymore. And so what you can do now if you watch an episode is you can Google the restaurant and see, is it still open? How did they do? And what you find 98% of the time is that they went out of business months after Gordon Ramsay left. Why? They went back to everything they were doing before that never worked. So this world-famous chef and restaurant owner came in, told them all the problems they had with their restaurant, and if you just do this, you will be successful, or at least you'll have a better chance. And yet, in their stubbornness, they said, no, we're just going to keep doing it our way. We're not going to listen to your correction. And so inevitably and predictably, they fail. Just like the proverb says, their way seemed right to them. Someone wiser tried to warn them, tried to correct them. They rejected that rebuke, that correction, and they failed. Now, that, that's a picture for what we think of when we think of correction, for rebuke. The Bible has a word for this type of behavior, the type of behavior that pushes away correction and does not listen. The book of Proverbs calls it foolish or stupid behavior. Now, it's easy to see when someone else is doing it, right? It's easy to watch the show and be like, why don't you just listen to what he says? But let me ask you, how do you respond when someone corrects you, when someone offers you a, a word of rebuke, a word of wisdom? When you are bluntly rebuked, how, how do you respond? Do you get defensive? I've never done that. Do you get angry? Do you get hurt? Do you respond back with a snarky remark, a sarcastic remark? Do you try in your head to find something you can criticize that person about? Or, or do you embrace correction, searching for a kernel of truth in what they may be saying? Now, that's our subject this morning. We're going to look at God's inspired words found in the book of Proverbs and see what God has to say about rebuke and correction. And if we could sum up what we're going to be looking at this morning, here's what the book of Proverbs has to say. This is essentially it. To embrace wisdom, to embrace wisdom, if you want to be wise, you must embrace correction. To, to embrace wisdom, you must embrace, correct, embrace correction. In other words, if you want to live wisely, according to what the Bible says, you must embrace rebuke. And correction when it comes your way and not fight against it. Now, Proverbs uses, now, the book of Proverbs is interesting because it's not really a book that you can go line by line if you want to look at a certain subject in it. It's kind of the, the verses that are on this topic are scattered throughout, and so that's what we're going to see. 
And the book of Proverbs uses a few different words for the same concept. So we have the word correction. We'll see that this morning. We have the word rebuke, which is basically the same thing. We have the word discipline, similar in the book of Proverbs. And the, book, the word reproof. All of these words communicate a similar thing. They all communicate the idea that what you are doing is wrong and you need to change. That's what a correction is, right? That's, that's what a discipline is. When you discipline your child, when you correct your child, you're, you're trying to teach them the way that you are going about this. The thing that you're doing is not, okay, you need to go this way. It's a correction. That's what a discipline is. That's what rebuke is. So what does God have to tell us about rebuke and correction in the book of Proverbs? Break this down into four categories. The first is that wisdom invites us. Wisdom invites us to listen. Wisdom, it's basically the main subject in the book of Proverbs, does not come to you unless you seek it out. Wisdom costs you. One pastor I heard said this way, wisdom is a contact sport. You don't grow in wisdom simply by hearing about it or reading about it. You have to re- embrace its corrections and rebukes in your life. And, and wisdom invites us to this. The book of Proverbs personifies wisdom as a, as a woman. And in Proverbs 1.23, the woman, wisdom, says this. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. See, so wisdom is saying, I'm going to tell you things in your life that you need to change. If you turn, if you change, if you follow what I have to say... I will pour out my spirit to you. You will become wise. God uses many means to correct us through his word, through a friend, through scripture, through a pastor, through sermons, through something you read. But before you become wise, you have to make the choice. Will you embrace correction when rebuked? Or will you grow stubborn and defensive So wisdom's invitation to you is this. Embrace correction and you will become wise. Embrace it. Long for it. Look for it. Desire it. Be thankful for it even when it stings. Proverbs 6.23 says this. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. And the reproofs, there's that word again, the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Discipline, reproof, correction, Scripture is telling us, is the way of life. This is how we grow in wisdom. This is how we grow in sanctification. And that is the invitation this morning. Embrace the way of life. Embrace rebuke and correction. Now, why is that the way of life? It seems kind of like a strange thing. Well, because for us, you know this as well as I do, there's a constant temptation to stray from the right path. We become deceived. We become caught up in a temptation. And so because of this, we're so quick to think that we are wise when we're not. We're so quick to think we know what to do when we don't. We need something outside of us to correct us. I need this. You need this. And so God, through the mouth of wisdom, is inviting you today to embrace correction. That's the invitation And the second is this, wisdom's value. So it's inviting you to embrace this. But the other thing that Proverbs teaches us about correction 
and rebuke is that it's extremely valuable. It's valuable. So the first step in embracing correction and rebuke is to understand this, that it's valuable. And that's usually part of our problem, right? We don't embrace correction. We don't embrace rebuke because we don't like it. We think it's useless, right? We, we think, I know how to best live my life. I'm independent. Don't tell me what to do. I'll figure it out. I'll be fine. But our foolish pride gets the better of us. God tells us in the book of Proverbs exactly how much value there is in correction and rebuke. Listen to this. Listen to these these word pictures that, that God uses in Proverbs to describe how valuable this type of correction is. Proverbs 25, 12. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. It's like a gold ring to someone who wants to hear it. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 27.5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Proverbs 28.23, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Rebuke is better than flattery with the tongue. It's infinitely valuable. Now, you've probably seen this in your life. Have you ever had someone just tell you a cold, hard truth, and you hated it, but you knew they were right, and it's exactly what you needed to hear in that moment? And after you get over yourself, you thank them? I've seen this many times in my life and others. One of the most memorable was my friend, Matt, now, Matt was a solid brother who I went to a seminary with. He, he was very like-minded to the believers here, and yet he was involved in a not-so-solid church. But he loved the people there. He had been there for a while, and he didn't want to leave. I, I kind of tried to convince him that it wasn't a good place for him, but he, he didn't really want to hear. I wasn't very forceful. One day, actually, Rob and, and Matt and I were hanging out at a conference Rob tried to convince him a, a little more boldly that he should leave this church, but it was, didn't really have any effect. And then later, we're, we're at the conference, and we're having a conversation with one of the speakers who didn't know Matt. I mean, he'd literally just met him that day, had only been talking to him for about five seconds, heard a little bit of his story. And, and after that, first conversation with the guy, I still remember where we were standing. He just said, Matt... I love you, I know you don't know me, and this is going to sting, but you, you need to hear this. You need to get out of that church, you're being unfaithful. And he said, get yourself into a solid church, stop messing around, this isn't a game, that is a false church. And so how do you think Matt responded? <laughs> he was upset, he was angry, he was frustrated. I remember talking with him after, he said, this guy doesn't even know me. Who does he think he is, he can just say this about my life, say this about my church. He felt like it was kind of a jerk thing to do. Fast forward about eight months, I get a text from Matt. He said, so I left my church. He said, everything he said was right. Even though I didn't listen to him right away, I'm so thankful that he was bold and offered me that rebuke and that correction. And it rang in his head as he continued. He said, that's exactly what I needed to hear. 
That's a perfect illustration of Proverbs 25, 12. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. That, that's the value of correction, of rebuke. Now, Matt should have heeded that right away. He didn't, but he eventually came around. He eventually softened his heart to this correction that came from God through this other brother. And he came back on the right path, and he was better for it. Rebuke and correction keeps us on the right path. It brings us back when we are straying. If we listen, if you turn when it comes, and you will listen and embrace correction if you understand how valuable it truly is. So that's what we see from Proverbs is the value of correction. It's infinitely valuable. Wisdom's inviting us to embrace it. We've seen how valuable it is. But how you respond when someone offers a rebuke or correction also reveals your heart, reveals your character. Wisdom reveals your heart. So when you read the book of Proverbs, there's, there's kind of these recurring characters that show up throughout. There's the sluggard, which is just a wonderful word. But there's also these kind of, kind of the two main characters is the wise man and the foolish man or the scoffer. These are two categories of people that are specific characters in Proverbs to teach us. In Proverbs, the book, you'll see this in Jesus' teaching as well, basically lays out two ways of living. There is the way of wisdom and there is the way of foolishness or folly. How you respond to correction and rebuke reveals which category you're in. How you respond when someone corrects or rebukes you reveals are you living, are you pursuing wisdom, or are you running headlong down the path of foolishness? If you embrace it, if you heed it, if you listen when correction comes, if you turn You're wise. You're on the path of wisdom. You're growing in wisdom. This is the path of obedience to God. If you reject correction, if you harden your heart in stubbornness, if you respond poorly, if you refuse to listen to anyone, according to Scripture, you're foolish. This is the path of folly. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 1.25. This is, again, wisdom speaking. You neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. Proverbs 1.30, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof, speaking of the fool. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it's so striking because I need to hear it. Whoever loves discipline, same thing for, as correction, whoever loves this loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's what Proverbs 12.1 says. That's why I love it. It's so stark. If you hate to be corrected, you hate reproof. Proverbs says it's foolish. It's foolish. And this word translated as stupid, it, it kind of literally means in Hebrew like brutish. You're, it's like you're like an animal that just keeps making the same mistake because you refuse to listen and heed the words of God. Proverbs continues. Proverbs 13.1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline. And you could put daughter in there. 
father, mother. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now remember, the scoffer is the fool. The wise are open to correction. The, the fool refuses to listen. Proverbs 15.5, a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is prudent. You can see the theme continues. Proverbs 15.32, he who neglects discipline despises himself. So if you refuse to listen to, listen to correction, you're, you're hating yourself. But he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. You, you can see this theme. This is the path of wisdom is, is through correction. Listen to this one, Proverbs 17.10. A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. So the, the one word of rebuke, one, one word of correction does more for a wise person who listens and turns than a hundred beatings does for a fool. Giving you this picture, the fool, no matter how much he's physically beaten, refuses to change his life. But a wise person, one word of correction, will understand and change. You can start to see that really the foolish person is the prideful person. The wise person is the humble person. Proverbs 9, 7 through 8. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. See, if you try to correct a wicked person, they're just going to insult you. Do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Proverbs, again, is revealing to us the wise love correction. It doesn't mean it always feels good, but it means they love it because it gives them wisdom. It helps them in their sanctification. Scoffers respond to criticism by attacking, by lashing out. Wise people humbly accept and invite correction. Because wise people know what they don't know. They know that they need this in their life. And the last one in the section, Proverbs 15, 12. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. It's the fool, it's the scoffer who doesn't like to be reproved. You see this pattern This crucible of correction reveals your character. How you respond to rebuke and correction reveals your wisdom or lack thereof. The fool rejects correction, doesn't learn, gets defensive, insults, plug their ears, and by doing this exposes their folly. The wise hear correction, they hear rebuke, and in humility, they listen. They change their way. They respond. They turn. Even to an unfair correction or criticism. Right? We're all humans. No one corrects perfectly. It's the fool who looks for any excuse to dismiss a criticism. It's the wise person who looks for any truth, even in a bad correction. Because the, the wise person is searching to grow, is searching for wisdom. So let me ask you and myself, how do you respond when corrected? How do you respond when a correction comes from a friend, a family member? 
your husband, your wife, from your brothers and sisters here, from the scriptures. These are, these are all places we receive correction from. God is inviting you this morning to wisdom. He, he's showed you its value. And how you respond reveals your heart. So again, God is calling you to embrace correction and rebuke. Listen again to Proverbs 12.1. And this is such a short verse, it's easy to memorize. Memorize this. It will ring in your head as you go through life. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. It's unforgettable. My prayer is that that will ring in your head next time someone corrects you and you're tempted to just make that comment back. Love discipline, love correction, love knowledge, love wisdom. So how you respond reveals your character. But not only that, how you respond to correction and rebuke also is a predictor of where you will end up in the future. It reveals, and because it reveals, it predicts where you're headed. Why? Because ultimately, to to fight against rebuke and correction is to fight against God. It's a sign of of self-righteousness, of pride. If you refuse to listen to the correction of humans, of your brothers and sisters, of your family, of the word of God, Proverbs predicts rightfully that you probably also refuse to listen to correction from God himself. And so Proverbs again lays this out for us. The path of wisdom is the path of life. The path of folly is the path of death. Proverbs 10, 17 says this. He is on the path of life who heeds instruction. But he who forsakes reproof goes astray. If you are the type of person that is unteachable, uncorrectable, you are going astray, Proverbs says. Proverbs 15, 31. He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Proverbs 19, 27. Cease listening. Again, this is, this is wisdom speaking. Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Again, saying the same thing in many different ways. If you, if you cease listening, if you in stubbornness become unteachable, uncorrectable, you will stray from the words of knowledge. Proverbs 10, 13, on the lips of the discerning, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding. Proverbs 13, 18, here's where you're headed. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, correction, but he who regards reproof will be honored. If you avoid the pain of discipline, if you avoid the pain of correction for the pleasures of foolishness, will end in ruin.
Proverbs 15.10, stern discipline is for him who forsakes the way. This is striking. He who hates reproof will die. Reminds us of our beginning verse. There is a way that seems right, but at the end is the way of death. And then listen to this. Proverbs 5.11-13, striking picture of the path of foolishness. At the end of your life you groan. When your flesh and body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to instructors. This is speaking of one who has been ruined by their own stubbornness, ruined by their prideful independence. The end of life will be sobering to those who have rejected reproof and correction. They will see their folly for what it is, but it will be too late. So then according to the inerrant word of God, to embrace wisdom, you must embrace correction. You must embrace rebuke. You must embrace reproof. You must embrace the discipline of the Lord. It stings like medicine. It doesn't taste good. But in the end, it's exactly what you need. It leads to wisdom. It leads to eternal life. And the, the, the inverse is also true. To spurn correction, to reject correction, to reject rebuke, is to take the path of foolishness. So we must learn to love it by the grace of God. I hope by now that you've seen what I've seen in the scriptures. You see this invitation. You see the value. You understand how it reveals your heart. You see its prediction. But what next? Well, the obvious question is, okay, I see that. How do I, where do I get this in my life? If, if this is the path of wisdom and then I want to do that, I want to obey God, where do I go in my life to receive this rebuke and correction? Well, again, we look to the words of God. There's three main areas that Scripture tells us this correction, this rebuke comes from. Three sources. Number one, look to God's Word. Look to God's Word. The the primary way that God corrects and rebukes His people is through His Word, the Scriptures. Paul puts it this way in 2 Timothy 3.16. A famous portion of scripture, as Rob would say. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Here's our words. For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. There you can see it. The scriptures have been given to us and are profitable specifically to reprove and correct us. We need this. We need this. The scriptures come to us from God himself. The Bible doesn't just tell us about God. It tells us the things that are pleasing to God. It shows us the path from our creator, the one who created us, how we are to live. Not just because that's what God says, but it's because it's how he's created us. It corrects our thinking. It corrects our lives. It exposes our hearts. As Hebrews 4 says, it pierces us all the way down to the division, soul and body. We all need this. 
We all need this. We need a, a source outside of ourselves to reveal to us the will of God. This is why it's so important to daily open up God's word and allow it to reprove and correct your heart. This happens in so many ways. The Holy Spirit grows us in the wisdom of God and the power through the power of the word of God. J.R. Packer put it like this. He said, the scriptures are the lifeline that God throws us in order to ensure that he and we stay connected while the rescue is in process. This life is a rescue in process. I love that picture. And the lifeline that God has thrown to us is the scriptures. That's how we stay connected. Find me someone who's abandoned the Bible. And I can almost guarantee you it's someone who feels distant and disconnected from God. This is the means by which he has given us. He speaks to us. He corrects us. He leads us on the path of life. So as you open your Bible, don't just read it. Pray, Father, show me. Show me where I need correction. Show me where I need to grow. And then give me the power to do so. It's not as if God just tells us what to do and says, figure it out. He's the one that fills us with the power to do so. Pray for it. Long for it. Go to the word daily to receive correction and reproof. This is the way of life. This is how we feed on the words of God. This is how he nourishes our souls. He corrects us through his word. That's number one. Number two, a second source. Look to your pastors. Look to your elders. One of the various things that God has specifically commanded all pastors, all elders to do is exactly this. To correct and rebuke people when they are straying, either in their life or in their doctrine. At the very end of, of Paul's qualifications for a pastor elder in his letter to Titus, this is what he says. Here's what a pastor elder must do. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And a couple of verses later in Titus 1.13, he's telling Titus, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Again, listen to the charge that Paul gives Timothy. And this extends to every pastor, every elder who would serve the church. 2 Timothy 4.1, he says, Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. This is a serious charge. What is Timothy to do? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is part of the role of a pastor, of a shepherd. God has given you here three wonderful elders. And he has given them this charge. They will be accountable to God for your souls. In their preaching and in their shepherding, there are times when if they truly love you, and I know that they do because I've seen this time and time again, they must reprove and rebuke. If Rob saw one of you straying into false teaching, false doctrine, and he said nothing, 
He would be forsaking his call, God's call on his life. If Randy or Landon saw, saw one of you living in sin, in love, he must correct you. He must rebuke you. It's part of the job description. God has given you these elders, these pastors as a gift to help you. Now, mostly this rebuke and and reproof, this correction comes through preaching. It's what 2 Timothy 4 is telling us. So when you hear that sermon, you, you know that feeling, right? Oh, I feel like he's talking to me. When the text connects with an area of life that you're struggling in, that is God loving you. That is God showing you himself through his word, through the preaching of his word, and gently instructing you. The path of wisdom is to heed that, to repent and live, not to turn in folly and reject it. This happens all the time. You know, when you're fighting with your wife on the way to church, I've never experienced that. I've heard it's a thing. Um, You know, just in theory. And then you come into church and the sermon is Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wife as, as your wives as Christ loved the church. Don't harden your heart and be like, oh, I don't want to be here today. This is stupid. Hear that as God's love to you. As his correction to you. And there's a thousand examples just like this. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've Hardened your own heart. You've been stubborn, refusing to listen to anyone else, refusing to listen to God's word. This is God loving you, offering you this correction. Don't fight it. Embrace it. Embrace it and repent and be wise. But but notice also, pastors, elders are not called to do this out of their own wisdom. Pastors don't correct and rebuke according to their own opinions. They are called to rebuke according to to the word of God. This is, this is not some excuse for some type of weird authoritarian thing in the church. Their job is your pastors, and I am 100% confident that they do this, is to guard the doctrine and lives of the church with the scriptures themselves. So really, this is almost the same as the first point. The word of God is what corrects us. It's what rebukes us. You can get it directly from the source or you can get it as God uses your pastors through the preaching of the word. And so again, my call to you is to embrace it. Whether it comes directly from scripture or from the preaching, do not harden your heart against God's call. And the third source of correction we see is your brothers and sisters here. Jesus commands us, Matthew 18, 15, If your brother or sister sins against you, ESV says, go and tell him his fault. Literally, it says, rebuke him between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This is the most basic principle of relationships in the church. If you sin against a brother or sister, they are supposed to come to you and rebuke you. And in response, you should repent and ask forgiveness. This is the basic rule of Christian community from Jesus himself. We are to be slow to take offense, slow to get defensive. We are to embrace it when a brother or sister brings something to us that we've done, or something we've said. Even if it's delivered imperfectly, even if it's delivered poorly, 
embrace correction and rebuke from one another. And, and the other side of that coin is this. Be bold enough to give a rebuke when it's needed. Now, some of you don't struggle with that, but some of you do. When someone sins against you, Jesus is saying, don't just bottle it up and become resentful. Go to them and rebuke them. In love, let them know. You will be the instrument of how they grow in their holiness and sanctification. This is one of the main ways that God preserves his saints and protects us against the temptations of sin. Hebrews 3.13 says this. My prayer is that this is true for this church. But exhort one another every day. As long as it is called today. Why? Why are we to exhort one another every day as long as it is called today? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, that verse is telling us when you place yourself outside of correction, when you refuse to listen to your brothers and sisters, you are very, very open to being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, to being led into sin, because sin tricks us. That's the point. And the mechanism that God has given us against this, the weapon he has given against us, is the church, is our brothers and sisters, exhorting one another every day, watching out for each other. God has given us the grace of community so that we would be protected from straying into sin, into false doctrine, into patterns of life that are not glorifying to God and are harmful to us. But for this to function properly, you must be willing to rebuke someone when you see them in this, in something. And you also must be willing to receive it when it comes to you. Even if it hurts, even if it's uncomfortable, even though it's awkward for everyone involved. We need it. This is what God has given to us. And when you're tempted not to embrace correction as we all are, when you feel that sense of of defensiveness, you feel that sarcastic remark coming up, know this, this correction, this rebuke from God is an expression of his love for you. God only corrects And rebukes those whom he loves. You saw that in the passage from Revelation 3. Those whom I love, I rebuke, I correct. God disciplines, Hebrews says, for our own good. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Could put daughters in there too. My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline, the correction of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. In other words, don't be discouraged when you feel God's correction. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, talking about earthly fathers, but he disciplines us for our good. Why? That we may share in his holiness. If you want to share in the holiness of God, and if your faith is in Christ, then of course you want to share in the holiness of God. 
One of the ways that God's going to do that for you is through his discipline and correction. And, and this makes sense because the gospel itself is a rebuke and a correction. The, the gospel itself proclaims and declares that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is a rebuke. The gospel itself by its nature declares that we are all dead in our trespasses and sins, enslaved to sin, under the power of the prince of the air. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he shows his love for us in that he is willing to tell us this. He died in our place. Christ paid the penalty for our sin on the cross and he was raised for our justification. And God has now exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. And so all that repent, think of that very first passage in Proverbs 1, turn when you hear my wisdom. All that repent, all that turn and believe will have eternal life. So this is, this is the gospel message that goes out. It is a message that necessarily rebukes and corrects us. Turn from your sinful ways. Turn from your useless works. Cast yourself upon the mercy of God. Repent and put your faith in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You see, it's the same thing. To, to reject correction and rebuke is to reject the gospel itself. To embrace wisdom is to embrace the gospel itself. It's to embrace Christ. You can't embrace the gospel and then say, Jesus, I don't want to hear from you anymore. I just want the good news. It doesn't work like that. When we embrace Christ by faith, we embrace not only his benefits, but also his correction. If you love me, Christ said, you will obey my commands. But again, he doesn't just say that and then leave us to our own devices to figure it out. He does that and then fills us with his Holy Spirit so that we can obey. God, to embrace the grace of God in the gospel, we must embrace the, God, embrace, embrace the grace of God in rebuke and correction. So brothers and sisters, that's the call. To embrace wisdom, you must embrace correction. To embrace the gospel, you must embrace correction. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. We all need to hear that. God knows this, so he has given us his word. He has given us pastors and elders. He has given us each other. So that as we all stumble through this life, this rescue process as we sin against one another, as we rebuke, as we correct one another, as we repent and forgive one another, we will, by the grace of God, grow in our sanctification and our holiness. We will be conformed to the image of Christ through this. And so we must embrace correction and rebuke if we want to be on the path of life, if we want to persevere in our faith till the end. Remember the words of Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Don't trust your own wisdom. Instead, embrace the wisdom of God. 
Embrace eternal life. Embrace the gospel of Christ. Embrace Christ as your Lord and let him lead and correct you in his love and wisdom. He is the wisdom of God. He's doing this through his word. He's doing this through his shepherds and through his people. End with the words of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. See, God acknowledges this. He knows. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that in your love, you correct us when we stray. We thank you that when we were all astray, when we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, you sent your son Jesus to purchase us. We thank you that in Christ you have revealed to us all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. And Father, we pray that you would continually humble our hearts so that we may obey Christ our Lord with all that we have. Father, you know our weaknesses. Give us your mercy, give us your grace, give us your power to believe and to obey. We pray this for the glory of Christ and in his name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help hear the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.